Oh, the big question that so many first-time homebuyers have, when should I pull out of the deal and not buy the home? Well, today we've got a real-life story from a real-life first-time homebuyer. I love doing these interview podcasts because it's a chance for you to listen. So yeah, everybody's personal situation is different, but you can still learn from these real-life experiences, especially when it comes to something as tricky as getting an inspection and deciding not to buy the house that you already got your offer accepted on. Here's Jake. Well, hello, gang. We're very excited about it today. This is take two. Thank you, technology. We're going to see if it works. This is Jake in Utah, who I just found out, so I'll recap for you. He started thinking about buying a home back in April of 2021, and he actually closed earlier this year in 2022 at the beginning of the year. Jake, say hi to the world. Hey, how's it going? We found out in the last interview that got cut off. Thank you, technology. So April of 2021, what was the big reasoning behind you deciding that you wanted to become a homeowner? It was just the next step in the plan for me. So structural engineer, I had a big test in April. And after I passed that test, it felt great. And on to the next big thing, I guess. Now, did that change career for you? No, it was all part of the growth of the career. So how long have you been renting before that? Just a couple years since getting out of school. And you always had this plan in mind that you thought, okay, I'm going to do this, take my test and buy a home someday. Yeah, that was kind of the idea, yeah. So when you started your planning process, where did you start? Did you have friends or family that gave you some advice? Did you start online? What did you do? I started online, started looking up articles and everything, and then started listening to podcasts, and that led me to you. Oh, well, that's very nice. I appreciate the fact that you stuck with it. What were the things that were attracted to you about becoming a homeowner besides the fact that you thought it was what you were supposed to do? Honestly, the biggest thing was I wanted a bigger garage. So had to focus on that. (laughs) That's awesome. So do you have toys in there or do you have a giant vehicle? What's the deal? Well, I need a future vehicle that's going to be big in there. But yeah, it's already full. (laughs) Okay, so you had to figure out how to pay for a house first. Yep, that's what it was. Okay, so you got a good plan then. Um, So jump right into it then. So then last year in April, you started the process, started looking around. What were your next steps? How soon was it that we ended up chatting? I'd say a couple months, month to two, and... It got to the point I kind of needed a realtor. I'd gotten pre-approved already, so I kind of knew what I was looking at. I was looking at homes, and it was time to get a realtor and reached out to you for that unicorn realtor, and so glad I did. Oh, that's awesome. So then once you got in touch with the unicorn, you had your pre-approval, were there any steps there that you can give advice to people to kind of prep them like, hey – make the call, but maybe before you make the call, here's some things that I had to do immediately that could be good things to help other people get ready. Yeah, I'd say make sure like all the research you can do beforehand is definitely good. My realtor definitely had to test her patience with me 
because I took a long time working through the whole process, had to put in a few offers before really getting more aggressive with them and the inspection periods. And I mean, they'll walk you through it all and make you feel good about it. But at least for myself, the more research I put in, the better I felt. Well, I'll let you know a little secret. We have a couple different little categories in real estate. And when we refer people, we go, this one's a lawyer, or we say, this one's an engineer. (laughs) And (laughs) when we get an engineer, it's really great, though, because it tests us. It makes us realize, okay, data. I have to give this person all of the data and For the people out there who could be of the same mindset, what were some of the pieces that made you more comfortable, especially considering the fact that for your first couple, you were shooting a little low. So what pieces made you feel comfortable to go ahead and not feel like you were overpaying or overreaching? Right. I think it was just getting practicing. After the first offer, then you go down to the second, you're like, okay, I've got a better understanding of this. And It's funny you brought up data, but so my home inspector, he did three homes for me and before this one. And by the end of it, he's like, I love engineers. They take all the emotion out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so fantastic. It is funny because sometimes I have to pull people back off the ledge, whether they're falling in love with the place or whether they're dying sad because they don't get a place. Mm hmm. It is hard. I tell people all the time, I can't help it when you turned this age, but you turned this age, you specifically, right in the middle of the most competitive market in history. Yeah. So that's a good thing to help explain to our listeners. So you went ahead and did inspections on homes and then decided not to purchase. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I did that twice, actually, before. And so paying the inspection fee wasn't great, but... On the one, it the house was bad. You needed to walk away from it. So no regret in that. Wow, that's really interesting because it brings up something that not a lot of people like to hear. When you are buying a home, you are basically buying a car without lifting up the hood or taking it to your mechanic. You can walk the home for an hour at the open house, but you're still not going to get all the information that an inspection gets. And an inspection costs money. So you do have that period. It's different all over the country. The contingency period, the condition period, the due diligence period, whatever it's called in your area. So your unicorn, Heather, set you up so that you had enough time to put in your deposit that is being held by the company, do your inspection, but then still get your deposit back. That's right. Yeah. It was tight deadlines. It was fast. Yeah. I mean... Boy, for an engineer mind right now, because you had to do it quick. That's why I tell people all the time, as soon as you get that offer accepted, schedule that inspection right away. Yep. And that's what it was. It was within a week, got that inspection. And then as soon as we got that inspection report, had to make sure everything, you could live with it. Yeah. Okay. So give us those red flags. What were the things that held you off on the first two? Well, so the funny one, as a structural engineer, I should have picked up on this one, but I didn't have access to the basement. But one, there was foundation issues. And on that same house, the electrical panel was undersized and the inspector wouldn't even open it because he didn't feel like it was safe. Oh, and then the trees were uprooting a lot of stuff. So it was not a great house. Well, that's interesting because I think a lot of people don't realize that especially because the speed of the market and the competitive time that you were shopping back in 2021, 
you couldn't even see the basement and they still expected you to write an offer. Yeah. It was a crawl space, so it wasn't like a basement, but. Okay. But then understanding that the few hundred dollars you put out, inspections can be anywhere from 400 to $900, depending on how big an inspection you get, what part of the country you live in. But that was enough for you to realize that, hey, I'm going to be out this money because this could be a ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar problem. Right. And it's just part of the biggest investment or the biggest amount of money you're going to put in for your house. It's worth it. You just got to take it. And if you need to walk away, don't feel bad. It's still money well spent. Absolutely. And that's why I tell people all the time, start the planning as early as you can and have that extra money. That extra money can be to walk away from a home. And it's like poker. If that's your last dollar in the pot, you're going to play that hand not as well as if you can afford to lose it. That's right. So he wouldn't even open the electrical panel. That's red flag right there. (laughs) What about number two? What were the uh, inspection problems on that one? So I guess that one was number two. Number one, that one wasn't nothing as big on that one. No major red flags. I probably could have lived with that. But that was still early on in the phase two. And so I just wasn't as comfortable with it and didn't love the house as much as like the one I'm in now. And so decided I didn't want to live there as much either. Well, you know what? Sometimes, especially if your unicorn realtor and your lender are okay with it. I mean, there are times that at the end of the day, we'll go home and talk to our partner and say, how to go? And I'll be like, well, this buyer needed to do this. I could talk to them till I'm blue in the face, but they had to put an offer down and then realize, okay, now I'm ready to go to the next step. Yep. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Before we started the interview, you said that, I believe your exact words when I said, how's the house? You said, I freaking love it. So (laughs) tell us what are the exciting things about you and your new home right now? Well, I'll say it took seven months to find it and get it finally. And so sometimes just time, but I think the right one does come up. It's four bed, two bath, kind of split level. We're mostly down in the basement living. It's fantastic. Cool in the summer. It's got a backyard. I won't say big, but it's got a good backyard with some grass. So that part's nice. Fire pit out back. And then the garage is two car deep. The big selling point for me. Now, I just love these interviews because I just start asking questions and see where it goes. How did you do research? Because one of the often neglected pieces in the online listings are garages. Did you get to a lot of places and just skip past everything, go to the garage and turn around and walk out? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you find any tricks to research garages before if there weren't any good pictures? Google's great for that. You just drop the pin down, see what's there. You can see pretty well from above and At least in Utah, there's a lot more garages, I think. It's kind of stated more, whether it's two or three, but even on... So I needed like a two-car deep garage versus just a standard two-car and then like an extra height. And so it was tricky to find a little bit. So during the whole house hunting, I had an Excel sheet and I would just go through like every single listing every night on the MLS and I'd rate them all, right? And so then... Depending on the car garage size, it would come up with like, you'll be very happy in this house or a frowny face if it wasn't big enough. (laughs) Oh, boy, the spreadsheet buyers. I have definitely had my share of you folks in the past. (laughs) It's great, though, because when you understand what's important to someone, you do start to realize like, hey, the one off 
is a phrase I use in the podcast a lot. It's one seller selling one house one time. And sometimes you and I, buyer and buyer agent, we have to discover. There's only so much I can learn because like garage height, not necessarily something that's going to be listed. It might say two-car garage, but it might barely fit the nose of your vehicle and not be deep. So that's an interesting part. And it took you seven months. So like, I'm sure there were a lot of times you walked in, you walked out, and a lot of times you walked in and went home and put it in your spreadsheet and did the pros and cons on your stuff. Yeah, exactly. So what about any other pitfalls in the process? So they listen to you and they're like, well, great. That's awesome. You got a house. But what do I look out for? Was there anything that surprised you in the process, whether it's from the financing side to the online search side? I'd contact my realtor whenever a house would come up to go look at it when I wasn't the most proactive at going out and seeing it. And it somehow or another, it end up we'd go and see them on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or something like that. And my realtor looked at me once and she's like, we got to go on this day. Otherwise, we're not going to get a house. And so it was like a readjustment of my schedule to make that day work versus whenever it kind of worked. Just because of how fast the houses went, you had to get in almost before the weekend even. And so it was just kind of readjusting that way and a weird schedule deal. It is very difficult for us to help explain. The market's softening a little bit right now and homes are a couple weeks as opposed to a couple days, which is nice. But... I know exactly what you went through, and I've had to explain this to people. Like, here's what's going on. A house goes up Friday most of the time, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then they do open houses. And then, yes, when your day off, if your days off are Tuesday, Wednesday, there's still going to be some houses that are available Tuesday, Wednesday, but they're probably in negotiations with five offers, and they're about to be gone. So... Getting that understanding with your realtor, that's why you can't talk to anybody. Oh, I bought a house uh, two years ago. Let me tell you how to do it. No, the market was totally different. You have to learn. And are you happy and satisfied with the fact that you had to adjust your job stuff for a little while? Because I know a lot of people get really angry at me and they say, these are my days off. That's when I'm buying a house. Did you find that to be beneficial for you? Yeah, I mean, it was just part of the process, part of... If you wanted it, you had to adjust and play and play the game, right? And do what you could to get better at it. Luckily, my job's pretty flexible. And so I was able to take off middle of the day, go to the home inspection, come back, work later that night and be flexible in that way. That's great. And you went through it a few times there. So you had that avalanche of paperwork. Did it get easier as you went along? Yeah, definitely did. I didn't have to read it every time. So... (laughs) That is fantastic. And on the financial side, was this something I know you said you got out of school and you were thinking about this? Have you been prepping this for a while or were you surprised at what you could afford? Uh, Some people think they've got to put 20% down. Where was your headspace coming in? I guess with that one too, that was one of the, maybe not pitfalls, but so I put 5% down and I was like worried about, well, do I need to try to put more down to get less interest over the life of the loan, this, that, and another. And the lender actually helped a lot because he was like, don't stress between 5 to 7 to 8%. Or unless you go up to like the next 10%, then just don't worry about it. Let's stay with the 5 and move on kind of deal, which was good to hear because I guess I was losing sleep over or like trying to find the perfect number to put down. And he was like, 
put the five and you got a good deal. Let's move on. I could give you the spreadsheet on how it works, but it's so convoluted and complicated. The good thing to, it's kind of like credit. People will freak out about their credit. And once I explain to them, it's 20 point tiers Mm -hmm. from 660 to 680, 680 to 700. And people are freaking out about 685 to 692. And I just like, hey, you either got to do the big full jump or let's just work with what we've got. The difference with this is when you're doing it with 5% versus 8%, you're keeping 3% in your pocket for that rainy day. Yep. That's what I was stressing about, right? And like, maybe I could give it up right now or do I want to keep it for later? And so having the lender kind of guide me with the 5% and saying that's good and it's okay, it helped a lot. It is. It's a big math problem. Yeah, I did, which I like, but (laughs) not too worried about it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's great to be able to be in a position where you know you could sit down and figure it all out. But if someone says to you like, hey, hundreds of dollars, maybe, maybe a hundred dollars difference a month versus thousands of dollars in your bank account, let's just go here and work at the five because you've got to hit 10 or 20 before anything even changes. Yep. And that's what he was saying. That's very cool. And for your lender search, because we have people that find their lenders all over the place. Was it a referral? Was it someone that you found on your own? I know you said you were pre-approved before you ended up talking to your realtor. Yeah. And so I actually went with the lender, the realtor referred to me. So I guess there was a switch there from the initial pre-approval to them And then I didn't bother searching for more. I was so impressed with my realtor. I didn't even consider that they'd give me a bad lender. And the only back checking I did, I checked with my local credit union on the interest rate and they kind of gave me the same interest rate. It was the same. And so I'm like, let's just go with it. I've got other things to worry about as the house was closing and getting all the finished paperwork. And yeah, I just was watching. I can't believe I'm going to say this 52 years old. I was watching TikTok the other day. But it's part of my job. It's amazing how many people think that when a realtor refers you to a lender that there's some kind of kickback or something involved. That is absolutely illegal. And when we refer to a lender, it's just like, hey, this is a person who we know can get the job done. And you can shop for rates all you want. The problem with the credit unions and all those places, God bless them for doing their best, but they're nine to fivers. They're not going to pick up the phone on the weekend for you. They're not going to be able to give you that top-level service, and they also don't care what happens with you when you close because their business doesn't grow based on your satisfaction with their work. So you being able to get that lender, I'm glad that that worked out for you. And I didn't even know you actually went with someone else. I just was asking a random question, but you (laughs) actually backed up everything that I say on the podcast, like get that good realtor, they'll get you a good lender, and then you can go from there. I'm doing a series coming up pretty soon on things that people should know after they buy a house. Now, with your engineer background, this could be really cool, especially structural. Was there anything that has come up in these eight months now being a homeowner, things that you can help other people? Because let's be positive and say they're going to figure out how to buy a house. When they buy a house, any advice? It takes longer to unpack than you'd think. (laughs) (laughs) That garage did you well holding boxes for a long time? It sure did. (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome minor maintenance stuff always comes up but i don't mind it it's kind of fun to figure out it's my home i get to do what i want now with it add my own flair but it definitely drags i mean 
I feel like I could dedicate every weekend to the house and it wouldn't be enough. And so it's a balance. But the nice positive about it is, like you said, you can do whatever the hell you want. It's your house. No landlord, no HOA. You just do what you want and have a good time. Yep. I will say I ended up with an older house too. So there was some inherent maintenance anyway. Ah, yes. Change those air filters. If you have a chimney, get a chimney sweep, all that stuff. Always tell people all the time, pay $75 for if you have any kind of heating and air conditioning once a year, just get that tune up because it'll cost you way more down the line if you just run it and hope that it, it keeps working forever. Yeah, that would be money well spent. Absolutely. Well, this is fantastic. I love it. And thank you so much for helping all my other engineer minds out there stick with it. And I think probably the big moral of the story is get a good team to help you feel confident because you know you're going to analyze, if not overanalyze, everything. So <laughs> it's nice to have somebody else to back you up and make you feel comfortable with what you're doing. So Congratulations to you. I hope you're enjoying the new home and most importantly, your new garage. Thank you. I'm enjoying both. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks a lot for coming on. Of course. Thank you, David. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. I should have changed the podcast to how to buy a garage. It seems like Jake didn't give a dang about anything in the house except the garage. <laughs> One of the neat things about that was that Jake realized right away what one of his most important factors in buying his home was, and that was figuring out his garage. And then he's being super smart, and he's using the top story for a rental. That's a house hack I love to hear about. So as I mentioned at the top, everybody's personal buying experience is different, but if you are one of those engineer types, anal, then I'm pretty sure Jake's story was very helpful for you. He's a big time planner and that planning ended up coming really in handy for him as he got closer and closer to when he was ready to pull the trigger. So I hope you got some great information out that one of the big things we learned from Jake, once you got your offer accepted, that's just the beginning of everything that you need to do. Oh, the home inspection. I know. Some of you out there heard that podcast and your butt cheeks probably clenched up a little bit when you heard about a guy who put in two offers, got two different offers accepted, and pulled out of those deals. Remember, gang, this is a giant purchase and you want to make sure that you know everything about the home that you're buying. So no, home inspections aren't cheap, but it's going to cost you a lot more in the long run. And Jake gave some great examples of what to look for and the things that were important to him and the things that made him realize maybe he shouldn't put hundreds of thousands of dollars down and he'd take the hundreds of dollars hit in his wallet just to know that he didn't make a decision that's going to affect him for years and years. Probably the biggest thing that we learned from Jake and his engineer mind was that all that planning that he did really helped him once he got that offer accepted. When you finally get your offer accepted, you're going to freak out at how fast things go. That time period for you to pull out of the deal, to do your inspections and decide whether you want to move forward or not, it comes up quick. It's called the contingency period, the conditions, the due diligence, the option period. It's different all over the country. But talk to your unicorn team. They're going to let you know you have... X amount of days to decide if you're going to move forward. 
In California, you've got 17 days. And in this competitive market that we've been seeing for the last few years, sometimes it's shorter than that. I've even had to do inspections for buyers and make all our decisions in just seven days. So learn from Jake. Learn your own individual lessons as fast as you can. He ended up putting an offer on a house and just pulling out because he realized he hadn't figured everything out yet. That's really good to know if you're maybe, oh, I don't know, the opposite of a planner. Talking to you, you know who you are. This guy was a crazy planner with a giant spreadsheet, and he still didn't know everything that he wanted to do until he put an offer on the house. And it's important for you to remember, once that offer gets accepted, things move quick. So if you think you've done enough planning, go ahead and do some more. And finally, the big lesson that Jake talked about was that five versus seven or eight percent down. Now, I don't know how to explain it to you except with some math. So let's do it like this. Let's say you're buying a $400,000 house and that $400,000 house, you got a five and a half percent rate. Let's say you've got eight or nine percent of that $400,000 and you want to put as much down as you can because you want a real low down payment. But then your lender says, why don't you try to put 5% down? Because we're going to get the same rate and the same terms and the same loan product. But you're like, no way. I want to put as much as I can down to save as much money as possible. We'll get this. You put 5% down. Fantastic. You put 6% down because you want to save money. Well, that one percentage point of the down payment that you're going to put down, that's going to cost you $4,000, right? A percentage point on a $400,000 loan. Do you know how much your monthly payment's going to change with that extra $4,000 that you put down? 23 bucks a month. <laughs> so do the math on that. Do you want to have $4,000, $8,000, or $12,000? That's the difference between 5%, 6%, 7%, and 8%. And the difference in your monthly payment would be 23 or if you want to go to 7%, 23 plus 23 <laughs> so you can either have $46 a month less or $8,000 in your checking account or savings account or under your mattress. I don't care, but you've got eight grand. And since you're a new homeowner, you might need that as opposed to $46 a month less in your payment. So that was awesome. We appreciate Jake and we love hearing all these stories. I hope that you're getting as much out of these as I am learning from them because I get to learn every single time. I've been doing this 16 years and I learn from every single experience. But if you're listening to this, you're not there yet, which means you need to start your plan. So go to howtobuyahome.com, find all the information that you need to get your plan started. And look, if you've been listening for a while and you haven't reached out, go to that website and hit Ask David. That's me. I will answer you and we'll get you started on your very own personalized plan using some of the things that we've learned from all these other listeners, using some of the things that we've learned from other buyers that we talk to all over the country and using all the great information for me and now over 300 unicorn realtors all over the country with decades and decades of experience helping first-time buyers just like you. So thanks so much for listening. Share the podcast. Please send it out to your friends. The more people that hear the podcast, the more people we can help. 
and the faster we can start this real estate revolution and make sure that all you first-time buyers are getting the incredible quality service that you deserve. A great way to get started is to check out the How to Buy a Home Starter Kit. That's right there at howtobuyahome.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks to Jake. You guys rock on. Keep listening. Keep learning. And remember, everybody's situation is different, but there's always something you can learn because the bottom line is you can do this.